this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to Racing Boys. And if you ain't listening to them, you get out of the country because you're a communist. I love the Racing Boys. Like Mater says, they make me happier than a tornado in a trailer park. You know, the funny thing about that is the Larry voice and the Mater voice are exactly the same. Get her done. It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys, brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Man, do we have a good show lined up for you today. The president of the World of Outlaws, Brian Carter, is going to join us, as well as Jade Avedesian and Steve Post today. We have got a really good show lined up for you today. I can't wait to talk to Steve Post, a guy we haven't talked to in quite a long time. Todd Surprise running the show for us here today on uh, RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. Does a great job each and every day that he works for us. We can't thank him enough for what he does for us. And um, Kirk Elliott, my partner for the last 23 years, joining me now on the show. Kirk, we got a really good show lined up today, don't we? Lots to talk about. You know, this is all good for us. Those of us that uh, do shows in the off-season or, you know, the year-round, especially in the off-season, we love it when we got plenty of things to talk about and all this uh, news that's going on in the world of sprint car racing. I'm not really sure how good this is for racing, but it's good for us because it gives us a lot of things to talk about. It gives us a lot of fodder. Yeah. Right? We love that. We love it. But uh, to be honest with you, um, I'm kind of a World of Outlaws kind of guy, I'm just so you know. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm torn apart, really, to be honest with you, because I believe in my eyes that 410 racing is going to get fractured here a little bit between the High Limit Series and the World of Outlaws. Would you agree with that, Kirk, a little bit? Yeah, to a certain extent. You know, uh, I've said for two or three years now, ever since the pandemic at least, that, uh, you know, dirt racing has never been better. The quality of racing, the race fan, is the big winner here because of the exposure that they get watching all these races on live video and the quality of the racing and the stars and just everything about dirt racing is as good as it's ever been right now. And I'm thinking when all of this came about, are we trying to fix what's not broken here? I don't know the answer to that, but Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet seem to believe that it needs to be better than it is. Right. And I'm not sure if, if it does because I'm kind of with you with the world of outlaws. Their quality of product is really good right now. The, the the product between Dirt Vision and um uh between Dirt Vision and, and the World of Outlaws, I think is is perfect right now. I, I, I don't think that there's anybody that does a better broadcast and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kirk. 
I don't think there's anybody that does a better broadcast than Dirt Vision. Well, would there you, are some. Would, would you agree with uh, that? To a certain extent, I, I think overall the the Dirt Vision product is, uh, of course, they don't have as many races to cover as Flow Racing. Now there are some events on Flow Racing that are produced as well as Dirt Vision. Uh, some of the bigger events at Eldora Speedway, and you know when they really pull out the stops and invest heavily on the big events flow racing is as good as dirt dirt vision i believe that right uh but flow racing has a lot more content out there than dirt vision does and so uh, i'm just one of these guys and i'm looking at it as a race fan as a subscriber to both flow racing and dirt vision if i only had those two i've got more than that but if, if I only had those two entities, I'd be happy. And the amount of money that they charge is a really good deal for the race fan. Yep. So there's a big competition involved here, Flow versus Dirt Vision. I get all that. Uh, but I'm afraid that if we go too far down this road of trying to fix what's not broken, that... Uh, we're we're going to end up in a place that none of us want to be. I hope that's not the case. I hope I know, and I know that Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson are sincere about wanting to elevate sprint car racing. I get no all doubt that. about it. There's no doubt about that. That they're they're passionate about sprint car racing. They are. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if the road that they're taking here is uh, is uh, instead of working with the world of outlaws and the world racing group to make what they're doing better and then supplant that with some other things to help build up the major leagues of sprint car racing, which is the world of outlaws. Uh, I think they would be better served to have done that rather than try to build up their own major league series and go head to head against the world of outlaws. Who's been at this for 45 years, right? Yeah. So I, I don't see high limit coming in here and just immediately supplanting the world of outlaws as the king of sprint car racing. I don't think that's that's going to change. I, I, I think that the biggest problem that high limits is going to have is trying to get some of the regional teams that ran with the All-Stars full-time last year, trying to get them to go to the east, uh, the west coast trying to go to I, I don't know where they're going but i know they're going to skagit right yeah skagit and chico and Silver chico Speedway. right and a lot of this is self-interest kyle larson and brad sweet are both from california right they they want to take care of their home tracks they cooperate right. silver dollar speedway with kobe copeland right so i get why they're wanting to move to the west coast but had it been anybody else doing what Kyle and Brad are doing right here, buying the All-Stars from Tony Stewart, wouldn't they have been better served to take what Tony Stewart has built up and grow that first before they directly take on the world of outlaws and try to go national right out of the gate? I'm, I think the better plan would have been to buy the All-Stars like they did. Right and make that better and serve that purpose and you, then try to support what is already the king of sprint car racing the world of outlaws. But that we knew that wasn't going to happen because Kyle Larson already had a relationship with Flow Racing. 
Floor do, Racing has bought an interest in this do you, high limit series, and there's that competition, and they think they're going to go up against the world of outlaws and try to replace them as the king of sprint car racing. I don't think I, I don't I don't I, think I don't they're see that be able to pull that off as easily as they believe. I don't see that happening. Do you? Do you see that happening? Not at right all? away. Right. Not, not right away. But in in the grand scheme of things, do you feel like this could, in, in my eyes, in, in my eyes, I look at this as a way that where it's going to water down 410 racing. What do you feel like? Do you feel like it's going to water it down a little bit? Well, there's a void that's been created now with the all-star brand not doing what they've done in the past. And that's serving Ohio, Pennsylvania, the western part of the United States, and helping that part of the country. There's a void there now that we don't have an all-star series. How many cars are going to show up at each of these flow uh, flow racing high limit events and World of Outlaw events paying the money that they are, and what's that going to do to the weekly programs like Knoxville, tracks in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and so forth? What kind of car counts are you going to get at the high-limit races as well as the World of Outlaw races with these two guys going head-to-head against each other? Tammy says, Kirk, unless the goal with flow, money is to take over the Lucas Oil Late Model Series, and be under one umbrella. Do do you feel like that how many tracks can really afford to bring in the Lucas Oil Late Model Series and the High Limit Series together and partner them up? How many tracks could really afford to do that? Do you well, think? yeah, because if you run a combo dirt late model and sprint car event, the total purse, purse is going to be is astronomical. Going to be astronomical yeah no doubt in order to pull that off and there's a few select number of racetracks are going to be able to do that but what's going to happen is flow racing is going to help supplant the cost that ordinarily the promoters would have to put up to cover the cost of the purse flow racing is going to have to do that and Let- that's where the that's where in recent years the video subscription sales has come to pass where you're seeing a lot more high-dollar races being promoted now, but the individual track operator is not going to be able to foot that entire bill anymore. And how long will flow? How long will they stand behind the high limit series and shell out money from their their account? Well, I think they're in it for the long haul because they bought an interest in high-limit racing. They're part owner now. Right. So they're invested in it. I I just don't see it happening. I I don't see – Bob just said, if Ted Johnson was alive, how do you think he would address this? How, How would Ted Johnson handle this right now? Well, I think he would feel about the same as the Brian Carter and the World Racing Group. No doubt. He'd be out there trying to protect his brand. Right. And which is exactly what the officials at World Racing Group are trying to do. They're trying to protect their brand. Right. And they've already upped the ante. I said weeks ago that they World of Outlaws was not going to sit around, you know, take this lying down. They've already addressed uh, a year ago they increased the point fund and the bonus money program. And this year, they've doubled the tow money. Right. 
How about old uh, Danny Dietrich picking up that $25,000 at BAPS? How about that? Big win. Boy, he put a slide job on Troy Wagaman Jr. there. Uh, he, he needed that restart, I think, there with about three laps to go. And then he was able to uh, pull off a slider on the restart and pick up that win. Uh, but probably the uh, biggest mover of the race was uh, Brian Bollinger, who started 16th and ended up second. He was the one guy that uh, worked his way up through the field there. Or Aaron Bollinger, I said Brian. Aaron Bollinger started Aaron. 16th and ended up second right. at the end. So uh, I don't think he would have ever got close enough to try to take down Dietrich, but that was the biggest mover of the race right there. So a yeah. uh, good move by Dietrich, but would he have been able to pull that off if that yellow hadn't come out with about two laps? He got that. That's what allowed him to make that move, I think. Right. And then how about oh, Aaron Reitzel picking up the win last night in Tulsa? Had uh, had a big payday weekend. Uh, he won $12,000 on Saturday night at Tri-State Speedway in Pecola, Oklahoma. And then $7,000 victory last night at Tulsa Speedway. Uh, and he hadn't planned on racing this weekend. They'd already had the engine crated up, ready to send back to the rider, their engine guy. And then they uh, decided a few days before this event, uh, let's go to Oklahoma and see if we can pick off some money. So right. they uh, took the number eight car Beat to Corey Tri-State. And that, what's going on here with the Ridge and Sons team? they got two race cars now, Corey Eliason and Aaron Reitzel. I'm not sure what's going on there. The 8X car and the 8 car, right? Teammates there, I guess. Do you he said, uh, Aaron said in the Victory Lane interview, I can't remember one of the nights this week, it was either in Pecola or Tulsa, he said that uh, they're allowing us to do our own thing now with this race car. So whether they, they're still under the Ridge and Sun banner and they're allowed to do more of their own thing and then they've taken on Corey Eliason who got fired from the Crouch number 11 car how that's going to work, but uh, I, I sense that things are going to be different next year, that Aaron and his crew have got a little bit more freedom to do what they want to do, but still yeah. under the same number eight umbrella. Sam Haferty picked up the win at Pecola this Friday weekend. night. Uh, on Friday, Friday night, race. yeah. yeah. And he finished second on Saturday night, but he wasn't at Tulsa last night, so. I wonder why he wasn't there. I don't know. Headed back to Texas. Mm. Maybe didn't want to run on a Sunday night. Maybe, maybe. Well, so. had a great. The best crowd you know, was last night he, at Tulsa. He's kind of a family man now. Yeah, you know that, right? Well, that may have entered into it, right? Uh, they had the best crowd last night at Tulsa for a Sunday night. Really good turnout. Yeah, Sam. He picked up the win on Friday night, and Corey Eliason was second, and Aaron Reitzel was third. The teammates running second and third. Yeah. How about that? They had it going on. We see Blake was running there. He finished third or fourth one night. Was that sat last night? I think he finished fourth. Um, let me. Uh, he did. He ran fourth last night. He started fifth, and ran fourth. And Ayrton Jeniton is the champion of the Power Eye Four Ten Series this year. Mm -hmm. He didn't really have a good weekend to speak of. He had I don't know if he had. Some car issues uh, of some sort. Not not a stellar weekend for 
Aaron Reitzel, but he is the champion for 2023. Kirk, I look for more people to migrate over to the Power Eye 410 series next year then maybe more more cars will go over there than that they than they had this year. What do you think? Do you feel like that there the reason I say that is is because the All-Stars are traveling up to Skagit and up and down the West Coast. I I feel like that a lot of people are going to migrate over to the Power I 410 series. What do you think? Well, especially drivers from you know, this part of the country would right. would may maybe take a look at that. But I'm not sure how many people It pays five thousand to win each night. Yeah. I'm not sure how many people raced in the uh Power Eye series this year that were ever thinking about running the All Star series anyway. I, I don't know, but uh I am impressed what Kenny Brown has done with this series. The car count's better than I expected. What they they've been getting 18, 20 cars a night. Right. They had 18 cars last night. So the car count for the first full year in that series has been pretty decent. So they got something to build upon, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um. So uh, uh, Dominic Selzy picks up the uh, uh, Keith Bryan Memorial at uh, Casa Grande. Did you see that? Uh, I didn't see the race. I didn't see the video of that. But that was an ASCS Southwest event. And uh, Dominic won on uh, Saturday night in that series. They also raced there on Saturday night as well. And uh, it was Terry McCurl, the winner, on Friday night at Central Arizona Speedway. Mm -hmm. So not a whole lot of racing going on this weekend. That's about it. They had, they had supposed to have a big late model show down at Sonoya, Georgia that got called off by rain. They had 19 cars there in Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Not too many tracks left in Arizona. Kokopaw Speedway is still there. Central Arizona Speedway. How many tracks are going to be left? Peoria is gone. That track that was uh, not too far outside of Mesa that was there, it's gone. So, well, it was good to see Dom pick up a win. Out there at Casagrande. Yeah. He had traveled a little bit. That's a little bit of a travel for him from where's they live, Bakersfield? And, and, and I just want to remind everybody that, that that was the Keith Bryan Memorial as well out there. So just so people know that, um, he passed away a couple of years ago. So, Hey, midget racing starts tomorrow night. Oh, I ba know it. Bakersfield Speedway. How about that? We'll talk to Jade Abadishian here coming up a little bit later on. But we're getting into the uh, midget season with Bakersfield, Placerville, and Turkey Night coming up a couple of days after Thanksgiving. So. And, and Merced is going to be there as well. Merced. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So got a lot of good. And Ventura as well. Turkey Night. That is a Ventura Raceway. Right. Justin Grant, the defending winner of the Turkey Night. Right. No doubt. And uh, so we'll be excited about You know what I always like about midget racing in November? It gets you juiced up for the Chili Bowl. Yeah, no doubt. Gets you thinking about that. Yeah. So that's all pretty cool. I uh, Probably the biggest moment for me this weekend was the drag racing out in Pomona this weekend. Did you watch any of that? I, I did watch some of it last night. Crowd some champions. Yeah. Top Fuel went down to the final between Doug Coletta and Leah Pruitt. Tony Stewart's wife, right? winner take all, and Doug Coletta win it. And that was as popular a win as any. everybody was rooting for Doug Coletta to pull that off. 
six second place finishes, and he finally got the champion. Also, yeah. congratulations to Matt Hagan, Tony Stewart's funny car driver for winning, Erica Enders, her sixth pro stock title, and Gage Herrera, the rookie driver, who won 11 races pro stock motorcycle, winning the championships out in Pomona this weekend. All right, when we come back, Brian Carter, the president of the World of Outlaws, is going to join us right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. When we come back, Brian Carter joins us right here on Mostly Motorsports. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod End's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodendsupply.com. and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod End Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod End Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod End Supply is an assortment of Rod End's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod End Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodendsupply.com.
is open seven days a week. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months, and that got really, really expensive, so having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life, and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Joining us now on the show is the president of the World of Outlaws, Brian Carter, joins us. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy Monday to everybody. Hey, man. Listen, I just want to start off by saying that um, in, in my eyes, I, 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 I've been saying this a, a lot here during this show, but in, in my eyes, what I feel like is going to happen with um, 410 racing, I, I, I got to feel that, like that the high limit series is going to kind of fracture a, a little bit of 410 racing. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, what are we talking about? No, no. It, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's... Uh... It's uh, hard to know what's going to happen. I mean, all we can do is, you know, the best we can do. But, you know, the <clears throat> our job has been to help grow the sport and continue to help help it prosper and succeed. And as the world evolves around us, right? Motorsports is is continuously evol evolving, and 410 racing has been doing that too. And it's, uh, you know, and and clearly uh, the awareness and the growth of the sport is uh, is at its highest has been in my, my lifetime that I can recall anyway. It seems. Right. So it creates opportunities for everybody. So at the time, you know, the, the hard part is, is if you do, have you created enough opportunity and then can it sustain a model different than what got here? And that's, that's really what's what we're in for to see what happens is, you know, 
all we've known is uh, sort of the model that's worked, and it's it's a difficult model no matter how you cut it. Motorsports is challenging. You're fighting for all entertainment now with you know not only competing with you know other dirt racing and other asphalt racing and not racing. You're talking about right. gymnastics and volleyball and soccer and all the other time uh, energies against you know what the family can spend uh, time doing. And this is a family community based sport that we all love so much so you know it's going to be interesting to see is it is it big enough for to sustain kind of what their model is i still don't know what their model is so you know we're learning it as it goes i know what my model is and we're going to continue to try to excel at what right. we're doing which is create as much awareness as possible for everything we do on 410 racing and all of the other dirt track racing that we do and then continue to bring people to the racetrack and fill up as many grandstands as we can you know throughout the year so that's yeah. a challenge in and of itself, so I'm going to focus on my challenges and 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 do the best I can to be as successful as I can be for everybody around us and, and everybody that is enjoying the world of outlaws. So that's my task. We're hammered down. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. that task. No doubt so. about it. And, and let let me ask you a little bit. Uh, one question: This isn't the first time somebody's trying to take on the world of outlaws, is it? This isn't the first time that that's happened, right? No, it's been it's almost it's it's 18 years and five months to the month uh, each time. So the USA tried it, and then uh, the NST tried it. Actually, the NSL tried it. Then the NST tried to fix pick up what was left. At you know that one didn't even go uh, into the fall, and then the NST tried to pick it up, and then this one now too. So you know last year I was a bit skeptical when they said they were going to do 10 or 12 races only and weren't going to try to compete and all the other stuff is like yeah. I think we're going to watch this in a little closer, which we, we opened up the door a little bit for our guys to go run. And I don't think that really hurt us that much. It did, you know, it does have an effect and they really piggybacked off of our calendar most of the year. So they did at least acknowledge the fact that they needed us to, to start their program anyway. So right. now they're going to have to build a program that, you know, you can't go in and run a, the Tuesday in front of one of our shows and then have one of their shows on the weekend somewhere close. It's just that will not work. And I think they, I, I hope they know that. Uh, so that we're not competing in the same geography weeks apart. Now we're going to start really confusing the race fans, who's doing what. Right. And uh, then we'll turn the World of Outlaws marketing engine loose and make sure the fans know what they're getting when they come to see us. So that's the piece I think that uh, we just don't we'll have to wait and see and see what happens. How um, how difficult has it been to to get the same amount of racetracks on your schedule? Have they caused interference with some of that? Well, you know, you, you, it's uh, the answer is yes. So, and, and whatever I say after this, the answer is yes. But it's caused us really, you know, now the racetracks, uh, you know, they, you know, we have more racetracks than we can have race dates. That's that's always been the case. We've had 20 yeah. or 25 on the waiting list. So there's always somebody hungry that can have a large-scale national show, at least in the way we've been presenting them, that we just can't get to. There's only, you know, so many Fridays and Saturday nights, and then so many Tuesdays or Wednesdays on the way, you know, you really can't do a Tuesday or Wednesday out of the way. You kind of have to do it on the, on the way to something. So uh, there's only so many we can get to. And, and candidly, there are racetracks that, that wanted shows, and we've been able to get to them. So, uh, yes, they're, they're going to be able to get some of those racetracks. And then it makes our racetracks uh, wonder, you know, if, if we can only get to a track once a year, can they make two big race car races work right. a year? And that's a dynamic that we just don't know what the marketplace is going to hold. I mean, the the uh, during COVID, we saw that there was some pent-up demand for it, and the All-Stars kind of got out of their geographic regions they typically raced in, and they had some success. But I think that was really 
based on the pent-up demand created by COVID in the year after. And after that, I think it's actually kind of settled down a little bit. Yeah. So I'm just worried that, you know, if you take, if you have 6,000 race fans want to see one sprint car show and you have, you, know, you have them all in one place at one time, you know, it can be, it can be uh, successful for everybody. If you have same 6,000 fans split into two venues and they're 3,000 each, you start spreading out some of this stuff and the math doesn't work for somebody. I mean, at some point the math yeah. stops working. So you don't know how that's going to play out for us. It's going to be to continue to protect uh, all of the racing and figure out how do we do this the best way we can. So, Hey, Brian, this is uh, but the answer is yes, it creates confusion and it does create some demand on the racetrack. Hey, uh, this is Kirk. Uh, thanks for coming on. My, my big concern is, uh, car counts uh, when you have uh, another series coming in to try to compete at that level and when you go in and and you're dead on about you know not scheduling too much in a certain geographic area because fans only got so much money to spend for the whole year for all this stuff right uh, my concern is getting the proper number of cars to show up at all these events if you got more entities like the high limit series competing for not just race fans but cars and teams. Uh, the, no. the world of outlaws though is a unique brand and a lot of people are going to want to run with the world of outlaws right that's no i agree you know there's only a finite number of cars and the, the goal is to create more of those as you can throughout the country and not not at the national level but at the weekly and the regional levels too so one of the things you'll you've seen is particularly pervasive in super late model racing right now is that there's so many shows and so many tours and so many events that it has hurt weekly racing uh, at the super late model level. And we've been reliant upon the creation of these weak, you know, strong cornerstone weekly tracks and actually created awareness uh, with the cornerstone weekly tracks through Dirt Vision in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Iowa and uh, Dakotas and trying to figure out how to continue to support the, the local programs. I'm, I'm more fearful of the local and regional programs, what happens when you start creating, if you create two or a larger 410 national touring programs is going to take from somewhere. It's not going to, right. you know, they're going to, they're going to take one or two of my cars maybe. And then, uh, they're going to take from someplace else. Well, wherever that is, I hope they're ready to fill it. And then now you're talking about taking teams, you know, there's only so many that can make this track up in our, you know, across the country, uh, 50 or 80, 90 nights a year. That's, that's hard, but I'm, I'm more fearful about what happens to the ecosystem related to, okay, well now you take, you're really going to try to travel, with our 12 and 14 and they're going to try to travel with whatever they're going to travel with that's taking from somewhere. And at some point there's fatigue. I mean, we see it at a, any any weekly track or regional program, August, September comes along, people get tired. They run out of money. They broke too many parts. They kind of, and things start to get tired. And I'm just not certain where that happens. If we're all trying to race into a field that's, you know, national level cars, it, it doesn't, it, it, it may not have the result we all want it to. Right, no doubt. I've been saying for a long time that I'm I'm a little concerned about weekly racing across the country. I I see it kind of in, in a bad state of mind. To be honest with you, because it, it seems like a lot of promoters are trying to work off the back gate. They want to run six or seven classes so they can make up for whatever they lose on the front gate. And it, it just seems like to me that that personally, I, I think that weekly racing could be a thing of the past in the near future. What do you think? I sure hope not. Um, you know, we all 
I grew up around the weekly track on Friday nights, went to one track. We didn't go to two tracks when I was growing up. You know, we, we just had a Friday night track we enjoyed doing, and then we went to the lake or something on Saturday. So I'm hoping that, we, you know, part, a big part of our business model at World Racing Group is the weekly sanctioning through uh, dirt car, uh, both the Northeast and in the UMP, the middle of the country. So it's, uh, you know, I, I hope not. It, it's flourishing in places, and it's uh, struggling in others. You know, it, that's the piece where we're competing against, you know, year-round baseball, year-round soccer, year-round gymnastics and cheerleading and all the other things. Football. You know, back when we were growing up, yeah, back when we were growing up, uh, you started baseball on spring break and you finished on 4th of July with the All-Star game and you're done with baseball. And that's just not the case anymore. So we're competing with everything. And the weekly tracks have the hardest run at it. So the ones that are successful continue to match their entertainment value with, uh, with the uh, – attention span of a customer it's not hard to see the attention span of the of the typical customer is a lot shorter now which is why we try to run a short program on the national tours we try to keep it to one rarely will we have two but we'll have two sometimes uh support classes because the back gate doesn't really help us that much but on the weekly program it's been decades in the making of a back gate program because somebody they come into the track on a weekly basis because they know somebody in a race car or somebody's niece uncle crazy cousin, whatever, they're all in their, they're on a race car, son, brother, grandma, they're all coming. So there, there is some tie to that pit area somehow on a weekly basis. Um, so it's a dynamic. It's got to be managed. And the guys that are doing good at it, entertaining people and getting people out a reasonable basis and having a good, fair program, and that they're still doing all right. And it's definitely regional, too. You can see it in some markets where it's better than others. But, you know, I, it's, it's something I definitely can't generalize other than everything's gotten harder. I mean, that's for sure. Everything's gotten yeah. harder to do. No doubt. Hey, uh, you've uh, you really stepped up to support the individual track operator, the guy that's out there staging these events, and the amount of money that it costs him uh, is astronomical, but you guys have stepped up to really help the track operator because purses have gone up, and you really stepped up. Would I hear you say you doubled the tow money for the race teams and the point fund money? But the individual track operator stretched pretty thin there, but you've helped them out. Yeah, the sanction fees, if we're talking just World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, the sanction fees have remained the same since the day we bought it. So it's still 25000 actually cheaper on a on the second day show of a pure sanction event. And what we've done is we've doubled our tow money this year. We've increased the tow money. We pay the point fund out. We're bringing that money in from somewhere other than the promoter. And on top of that, we're making capital investments that we can bring to each racetrack. So we're bringing video boards and uh, staffing and guys like Chase and Johnny to create color and then show that to the race fan at the track. So we know that every every racetrack can't afford to buy a video board like Knoxville can or Eldora can or, um, you know, there's there are tracks where they're making the investment at the facility. So we're making that investment and bringing it to the racetrack. So right. those are the things that you really have seen evolve over the last five or six years where we're bringing entertainment staff, we're bringing marketing people out to the front, the midway support, even a ticketing trailer. If the, if the, if the speedway can't support five windows being open or a, a big pit booth or PA system or the video board, those are the things where we can leverage that tra- night in and night out at the racetracks. It really can't afford to make that kind of CapEx and, and invest in the property. So we're trying to bring that with us because it's critical to the entertainment product we're trying to create. Right. Uh, we've, we've had a couple people on our chat room uh, chime in, and they want to know what Ted Johnson would have thought of this 
and I'm sure he's thinking just like you, right? Right. Well, the beauty of that is, is that I have his son-in-law in the, in the building with me, and two of his daughters were at the banquet, so they're they're relaying this. You know, when we bought the World of Outlaws, we had they had seven employees, so now we're at almost a hundred. I, I think he's smiling. I think he's smiling because of the awareness we've created, the fan base we've created, the engagement, you know, the day-to-day. If, you, if you're not hearing something from the World of Outlaws or the fan groups uh, on every day, even through the off-season, we're hearing news and different things, and Gravel's cooking something new. It's like, I think the awareness of uh, World of Outlaws sprint car racing is, is at its highest uh, ever, and I think Ted's smiling on that. I think he's also smiling that we've kept the rule book in place that we're supporting the drivers and teams and we're still, you know, doing all those things. He may not like the merchandise program we have because he didn't allow any merchandise trailers. Right. And, and we, we changed that. So, you know, we shifted, that's more economics to the race teams we allow uh, for our platinum teams, but you know, he might, he may not like that so much because I know he made a living uh, selling t-shirts, but, um, but you know, the sanction fee, the same, the entertainment value is great. Competitiveness, the, the field of cars we have is spectacular. And, and uh, I think he's smiling right now. Uh, let me just say that Houston's is going to get six races up there. Does that mean that you're going to – because I know Todd Quarian is a huge World of Outlaws supporter. Does that mean you're going to go to Jackson as well? Yeah, we'll do the Jackson Nationals. I mean, that, that, that's happened uh, as that uh, – we redeveloped that event after Knoxville. It's kind of an easy week you know, for the teams. They, they, they kind of wanted a break. Yeah, they've asked us for we used to we run on the Tuesday after Knoxville and they're like, hey, we just ran a hard run from the East Coast out to Peebley. We got Peebley to Knoxville. And then from there, we don't go home for a while. So right. we kind of asked us to take it easy. But Jackson Nationals is a great uh, a great event. He's uh, increased that prize money a little bit of the awareness. We get a nice flow of campers from Knoxville over to Jackson. So, yes, we'll be back at Jackson and uh, and uh, utilize all the investments Todd made in that facility, too. What a beautiful facility he's done there, too. So. Uh, yeah, we'll be back at Jackson, and we'll kind of, that kind of gives us a little bit of a kind of a chance to inhale a little bit before we head down. Uh, uh, we'll do the Dakotas trip, and then we'll do our Houston's Labor Day, and then we'll head out west for uh, two or three uh, big weekends in California, and then come back across the country to finish up the season. So that's all laid out. We've got some great partners out in California, so all of our California fans, just be patient with us a little bit as we get as we uh, fine tune the logistics. But we'll be in California in September. Uh, entertaining race fans of the world of outlaws. What, are you going to return to Skagit? Do, do you know if you're going to return to Skagit up there? I, I honestly don't know that answer. Uh, it doesn't look like it's in the cards for this year. Unfortunately, the fans there, right. Chico and Skagit, are are the you know, you know they're not going to get to see the world of outlaws this year. So that's sad for me because I I can remember sitting in the infield with John Pageant and Ted Johnson the, the September before Ted passed away and. And we're talking about how good everything, you know, how good it was going to be and how everything was good uh, related to the plans we had laid out and the, the, the way we were going in the direction. And, you know, that's a, that's a lot of history in that infield sitting there. No doubt. Uh, I wouldn't say we had a drink or not in the infield as we were watching these races. That day. <laughs> but those two guys are, you know, but we were sitting there just, you know, it was a lot of history in that room. And it saddens me to know that that's going to take a pause. I'm, I'm, you know, I, it's going to, it's going to be hard uh, thinking about those two guys and, they're not smiling right now about Chico, for sure. Hey, so, I want to ask. I want to ask you about safety. Uh, boy, what a scary crash Carson Macedo was involved in at Knoxville earlier this year. But Knoxville Raceway, they 
they had set the standard as far as safety is concerned. There's no question about that, and we're happy to see Carson was able to get out of that situation and come back strong. Uh, but what are your feeling about safety going forward, the tracks? And uh, I know that the High Limits, they've announced a traveling safety crew uh, for their whole series. But what are your thoughts about that moving forward? No, it's a critical component. Obviously, you know, we've been moving the ball forward on that uh, as an industry uh, pretty rapidly. You know, I think there's some some crashes we've all seen in the last year that wouldn't have ended the same way had it not been for the work we've done with the testing with the cages and the containment seats and the head and neck restraints and the helmet advancements and the, the three layers of suits and all of the underwear, all of that stuff, the fire protection and the fire, fire bottle. You know, the things you don't hear about are the fires that the, the bottle put out. I mean, Logan Shuhart in the pace lap between the, the two, the break at the million, Logan put had a fire in the cockpit, the fire bottle put it out, and he finished the race and run a million dollars. So that put there was a fire that, that scorched his suit in the middle of that race that the fire bottle put out. There's two in the, in the front stretch of Knoxville that the fire bottle put out that people don't even know about. That's the stuff that right. makes me happy as a, as a, somebody responsible for guiding it and, and moving it forward. But candidly, we're continuing to enlist the, uh, the industry to make this stuff safer. We're going faster. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're close quarters and we're open wheel racing and we need as much safety and everybody working on it together. And we, and we have that. And the beauty of it is, I, I, you know, we've been, we've got two fully contained units, uh, fully dressed fireproofed guys uh first responders with fire uh fire extinguishment uh on the vehicles they can you know our first responders are there and and they have been and, and want to be the industry standard as to how the series responds to fire and it's there's more investment in what we carry around than people realize with extraction tools and safety tools and backboards and trained people and fire suppression and all that stuff on our vehicles uh, that are on the racetrack every night with a uh, world of outlaws. So again, not something we're going to keep. We don't want to. We take credit for it. We surely don't want them to have to use it. But when we do, right? We're surely glad we have all that stuff with us. I, I I was really surprised that you guys went with the fire bottles in the car because th- there's a lot of drivers that are a little worried about that bottle flying around in the car a little bit. But let me just say this: the World Finals was excellent this year. Uh, it, it couldn't have been any better. Well, thank you. I was very happy. It was a, you know, it was a, a beautiful sunny day and 40 degrees one night and then hot and windy, you know, hot and windy the week, the whole week before. So it's created this really interesting dynamic, but we had a, you know, we had a, a great event, two great, two great weeks of racing and we just got to keep figuring it out. But the, the sprint car is going three consecutive features uh, green white checker 25 laps no cautions was spectacular and the track gave them a chance to race when you've got guys coming 20 spots for a hard charger 17 spots for yeah. a hard charger you know that they're moving around on the racetrack and they're finding a fast way through there so it was definitely entertaining uh i couldn't keep up with it and then you know now that nos is stepping in and helping us with uh the motorcycle shows and the entertain the extra stuff that just make the fans go wow and that's what i'm looking for yeah no doubt about it wow uh, yeah. How soon before we see the 2024 schedule? Is it PRI or do we see that before then? We'll see it before then. We're going to do, you know, we've got, you know, all of our touring series. We're, 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 our goal is one schedule a week leading up to PRI. So you're going to see something this week from one of the other series. And then we'll probably see sprint cars come in real close behind that. And then we're just, we're on a path to get this out 
So, and we're also working already signing up platinum agreements for next year or so to get the roster lined up and we're just going to kick the promotion, uh, go in and again, try to, try to continue to raise the awareness of what we're doing. So the race fans aren't confused about where they're coming racing next, next year. Yeah. Are, are, are the drivers going to be limited like they were this year to how many races that they, they could go race? Yeah. This, the program will be the same. I don't yeah. see any reason to change it. Um, Right now, especially with – I don't even know if they're going to get a chance to race that many. But we'll, we're going to do exactly the same uh, restrictions as last year. Uh, debated on going up or down, but uh, didn't get a lot of pressure either way from the teams. You know, I think that they kind of realize what's, what they need to do. And and uh, I told them to carve up the four races and figure it out and send two or three of you to each of them and go go win money. I'm good with that. It just uh, – it just uh, it's hard to balance in anymore right now until I know more about the landscape and how it all sorts out. I, I so think I, I think I would cut it back to where you limit how many races they could go to. To be honest, exactly. With you. No, we already limited to four. They can do four yeah. and maintain all their bonus prize. They can go up to eight and they lose seventy five percent of their they lose their bonus money, keep their point money, and after eight they they lose all of their benefits. So it's um it's a challenge again trying to make it better as best I can for everybody, including I mean it's a balancing act. Right. Our teams, the the regional teams, the the other national teams, the other the other uh, local teams, and getting it all worked in is it's hard. And uh, I need to create enough incentive for the guys to maintain a, a ninety race or an eighty five race calendar uh, all across the country. And and uh, in order to do that, I've got to be uh, able to market them and market the uniqueness of what the World of Outlaws is. And if we do that. We'll, we'll be we're going to be not only just fine. We're going to be real strong. Hey, I just thought of this uh, here a few months back. Uh, you made an announcement that you've hired somebody from the what the wrestling world to come in and uh, help out with the growth of Dirt Vision. I forgot the the person's name here, but that really intrigued me. Somebody from that yeah. world coming over here to uh, help you in your efforts to improve Dirt Vision. Yeah, no, uh, Charlie, he sits right next to me now. He's uh, with, been uh, spent most of his uh, professional career uh, launching and marketing uh, streaming companies. So he helped launch the UFC Fight Pass. Uh, he's done some stuff with NHRA, some stuff with uh, uh, La Liga, some some real sports networks. And he's, he's worked through Endeavor and seen lots of different uh, companies and how they've launched and marketed their streaming platforms. So what Charlie brings is a level of expertise related to uh, the growth of Dervision, the product offering, how to how to uh, increase subscriber counts, and, and really has helped is going to help us move that forward in a way that I'm I'm a I'm a finance guy, race lover. I mean, I'm a fan first. So uh, to have somebody in who I've got uh, confidence, I've got great team of people that have been working with me for a long time. Over the average is, is over 14 years now. They've the, my the people at the table with me uh, on our senior management team. So bringing Charlie in just helps solidify the guidance that they need for uh, the streaming piece and Dirt Vision, and, and that really has become a resource that wasn't available to us uh, that long ago. Historically, you know, your revenue streams are pretty easy. You had you had fans and tickets and pit passes, and you had sponsors. And then the TV game, though, was uh, outbound mostly. You had spent money to put the shows right. on, TV, on TV. Now, you know, we, we went first year, we were live all the sprint car shows. It was 2018. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no now doubt. Now we've got all of it and the weeklies and all the, you know, we've got all of our series. So now it's like, okay, we're 
this is an inbound resource. How do we continue to grow that in a way that not only creates uh, revenue and resources for the company, but creates demand for the ticket at the track? And that's, yeah. that, that product offering is really critical. And I started to feel like Brian, me, I was beh- uh, Carter was behind on making that work for World Racing Group. And I needed some help to do that. So I went on that task almost a year ago. And and uh, Endeavor Streaming is at the leader of the list. They launched UFC Fight Pass. There's a lot of uh, interesting crossover in the fan bases. And and uh, you know, anything we can do to bring more people to the racetrack and have more sprint car fans, yeah. I'm after it. Yeah. Brian, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Listen, I, I I know that uh, this isn't an easy time for for um, the world of outlaws right now, and I I appreciate the effort that you put into it, and the hard work that you put into it, and as you know, Kirk and I are really loyal world of outlaw people. So, just so you know that. No, I know, and I appreciate that very much. You know, it's our it's my job to continue to grow the sport to continue to entertain race fans uh to create awareness and fan- candidly just to entertain people and so you know the world of outlaws isn't just the company or the drivers or it is the entire community and that's something that i'm going to fight for i mean that, I, I love it and i'm going to fight for it so we're going to we're going to get after it i have huge uh expectations that, that we're going to just going to continue to excel and move forward and yeah, a little, little bit of bump, but you know, a little competition, hone your decision-making skills and keep on after it. So I'm pretty excited about what we have in place for 24. I'm really excited about the sponsor package we've got going. The driver roster is going to be great. We're going to be at some new racetracks. Again, just, uh, disruption creates opportunities. So we're going to be taking advantage of some of those opportunities. We're going to help where we can with some regional programming and we're going to kick some butt in 24. So, uh, should be good. Just got to get this stuff done and and get on with it. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate you taking the time to join us right here on Mostly Motorsports. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for spreading the word. Thank you, Brian. All right, Brian. And, you you know, I just want to say this before we go to break. I've got nothing against Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson. They've always been responsive. Whenever we've reached out to both of them, always been good to us. They've they've always been good to us. And I think their their efforts are sincere. They, They love sprint car racing, and they want to see it see it grow i get all of that uh i just think that some of the things that they're doing to start with uh yeah i wouldn't have done it that way but fractured you know good luck to them yeah no doubt about it all right we're going to take a commercial break when we come back the postman steve post joins us next right here on mostly motorsports it's all brought to you by rod and supply Listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that to build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together uh, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Joining us now on the show is an old friend of the Racing Boys, the Postman, Steve Post, joins us now. Hey, Steve, how you doing, bud? Hey, hey, Scott. Always good to chat with you. Doing well over here. I, 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 I know that you did an interview with Brian Carter, and we just got done speaking with him. I don't know if you heard the interview or not, but um, I, it, it, I've said this many times on this show that I'm I'm a little concerned about 410 racing because 410 racing has made a really made a comeback here as of lately, right? And, yeah, and, oh, absolutely, yeah. and I'm 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 a little concerned that what's going on between high limits and the world of outlaws is going to fracture 410 sprint car racing. What do you, what what are your thoughts right there? Well, I think we're at an interesting time, and I think my my concern. I have a couple of areas of concern, and it's and it's it it's with this expansion. Um, what does it do? What does it do to weekly racing? You know, um, your 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 Friday night, your Saturday night sprint car tracks. What does it do to weekly racing? And then one area that I think there's a lot of question about is the state of Ohio or the footprint that used to be the All Stars. And 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 I understand. I mean, High Limits is doing something with the Fast Series for the um, you know for the um, Ohio Speed Week. You know, but there were a lot of all-star races at Attica beyond Speed Week and uh, Fremont and and Atomic and Sharon and even over to, to, to Lernerville, which I know Lernerville is part of Flow Racing. But I, I wonder what's going to happen with those, the non-Tuscarora 50s from the all-star race, the non-Deedonittle memorials that had such a big impact on the weekly racing in Ohio that I just wonder where it's going to be. Now, does someone step up? Does Fast Series step up? There's speculation about another touring series uh, joining up there in the area, and, and maybe some more money comes into play. But I, I think it's I think the, the, the situation I think the situation nationally is probably going to be all right. I wonder what it's going to look like regionally and locally more than anything else. You know, I, I was going to ask Brian Carter this, but I uh, I forgot. I was thinking about this the other day, Steve. What if dirt? Uh, what if the World Racing Group went in and tried to fill that void that the All Stars are not there anymore? What would that do to uh, the whole? They call they use this word ecosystem. I've heard that a lot right. <laughs> here over the last yep. few days. Uh, but what would that do if? Uh, if Brian Carter and the World Racing Group decide, hey, you know what? Let's go, uh, go let's go in and fill in where the All Stars used to be. Go after some of the tracks that the All Stars yeah, let's, let's raced. Let's start at. our own right. what used to be the All Star series. 
Well, it's, it's interesting because that's what High Limits has done with, with Ohio Speed Week. You know, they've gone in and partnered with the Fast Series, so they've done that with Ohio Speed Week, and, and kudos to them for doing that. Now, when we think about the World of Outlaws, remember the Gum Out Series. Yeah. That was a, that was a tiered system that they used to, uh, to, to, to develop some teams and develop some programs and develop some racers, and, and something like that would make total sense would be, you know, is there a, uh, for, for lack of a better term, a Northeast uh, or a Mid-Atlantic or a, you know, mid- Middle America gum-out series? And do they do something like that? I think that that's perfectly, uh, I, I think, there, this goes back um, first week of October, area auto racing is Lenny Salmon sat down with Brian Carter, and Brian's big concern at that time was what does happen to the all-star footprint? You know, and he said, we did the gum out series in the past and we're not scared to do something like that. If we have to, if we feel right. that that's going to help the ecosystem. So maybe there will be something like that. Again, um, high limit is doing that. They're doing the same thing, just partnering with the fast series, which the fast series has been around Ohio for five or six years. And so Ohio speed week is safe and secure, uh, at least, the the announcement that it was going to happen, uh, we'll see where the dates are and everything else. But but there is a lot of other racing there, and and maybe something does come out of this that'll be a small world racing group, you know, regional more regional tour for sprint car racing. And not not sure. Stay tuned. I think uh, I, I think there's still a lot more to happen before before the dust starts flying down at Volusia. Uh, we, we hear rumors that they, they they're going to start a, a like somewhat like a, a gum out series. You've heard that, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yes, I have heard that. Right. Yeah, you just mentioned that. Uh, yeah, there are hints of that, but that would be a huge move that the World Racing Group would make in response to what's already occurred that uh, I, I don't know how, you know, what the counter-response would be from uh, Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson. Well, and here's the problem. Um, here, here's my here's my problem with, with where we're at now is uh, if we if we start doing – Somebody, I, I, I used to say this. I used to say this with with my daughters when they were younger. Right. You know, when they would start bickering back and forth. Right. And I don't need. I don't need both of you to stop. I need one of you to stop. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And so, so the counter question, I don't know. You know, if 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 what uh, flow flow racing and and high limits and and fast series have done, you know, kind of stems that tide as far as what's going on in the state of Ohio and, and fast series can pick up some of those former all-star dates on their own, then, then maybe we don't need to be countering and counter countering and double dog daring and everything else. So I, I hope we don't get into that. And, and I, and I don't sense that's the case. I think that, uh, I think that there is a concern about the mid tier in the ecosystem, the all-star tier of the ecosystem. And I think Brian Carter has addressed it. And, and, and to a degree now, uh, you know, the high limits group has addressed it as well. Uh, World of Outlaws really stepped up with the tow money. They doubled the tow money that they, a year ago, they increased the point fund and the bonus money and all of that. Uh, just how many drivers do you believe will stay put with the world of outlaws, what they had in 2023 carried over to 2020. We know Brad Sweet is gone, but what about the rest of the platinum members from last year? Do they return to the world of outlaws? Tenth, pl- tenth place paid ninety thousand dollars this year with the world of outlaws. Yeah, yeah. I think 
I think there's a couple they may lose. They may get replaced by somebody else as well. So I think that there's and, and I don't know who they are. I think I think the numbers themselves say that there's a, there's a couple that are dissatisfied enough that are going to go elsewhere. Yeah, you no, know, and and maybe they were thinking of going independent, and and maybe maybe they maybe they they almost lose to somebody, but they don't go to high limits. They go to the to the Brent Marks Brian Brown school of I'm just going to you know to get to, to to get money wherever they're paying the most. Maybe they go that direction as well. So I think the world of outlaws will potentially lose one or two. I don't think it's going to be massive because it's, it's what you just said. $90,000 in the first week of November sets your team through the off season. You know, it's, and, and I mean, I understand that flow racing is uh, uh, flow racing. I, I keep they're, they're intertwined. So high limits, I get high limits and flow racing. High limits has got a point fund as well. And when those details come out, I know that they've, they've talked about the winner's share. I haven't seen the, 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 the downstream on that. Maybe that'll be appealing as well. And so we just, we just have to see how it goes. But I, I, I tend to think, I, I think high limits is going to be interesting to see what this looks like in the middle of June, the middle of July, uh, when we're in the dog days of sprint car season, uh, and 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 it could be great. And I and 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 I hope I hope all this, you know, concern that we're all talking about here in November turns out to be, you know, just us talking in November. That high limits is rock and rolling in June and July. The world of outlaws are rock and rolling in June and July, and we're seeing a bunch of good four ten sprint car racing. Uh, and uh, but but I tend to I tend to feel that um, that the the world of outlaws are probably going to be just fine. Is my is my hunch on that? And right. re- and remember. Um, all of the big marquee events are still World of Outlaw races. You know, the High Banks Nationals up at Houston's is still right. World of Outlaws. Yeah, no the doubt. Kings Royal is still World of Outlaws. The Knoxville Nationals is kind of that partnership or, you know, World of Outlaws-esque, if you will, ish, if you will. Uh, National Open is World of Outlaws. So there's not been a lot lost by the World of Outlaws. They've lost the Gold Cup and they've lost the Skagit Nationals. That's all that really has been lost on the World of Outlaw calendar. They've already replaced the Skagit Nationals weekend with another big weekend at Houston. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't feel like what the World of Outlaws has to offer is going to diminish the number of people too much that want to want to want to uh, become platinum members. Let me let me ask you this question here, Steve. Um, we're talking to Steve Post, the Postman, and let me ask you this. Would have been would have would have made more sense to keep it a regional thing than try to go because some of these teams I'm not sure how many of these teams are going to want to venture up to the West Coast right I, I I'm yeah. not sure I'm not sure of that how many cars they're going to average um I'm I'm sitting here trying to think how many cars are they going to average um and I'm thinking probably eight or ten cars are going to run full-time with the High Limit Series. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think if they can do that, if, I think if they can get that, I think they should be really content with it. You guys, you, know, you guys know more than anybody else that I know. Yeah. We had the ASCS National Tour. And while everybody loved going to Skagit for the Jim Raper Memorial Dirt Cup, by the time you got to Skagit, there were fewer platinum or full-time tour regulars than there were before you went to Skagit, because that is a big haul. That is a long haul. And so it will be interesting to see 
what what happens where they start at it will be interesting to see if they, if they lose steam any along the way with with that, that headed to the west coast and and right now i don't see i don't not, i could be totally wrong i don't see any west coast based teams you know you know any west coast based teams uh the dominic Selzies of the world and the dj nettles of the world i don't see them traveling east so that they would add cars by going out west uh, I don't. I don't see that. That that's an option as well. So it's going to be interesting to see because that's a that's a tall tale sign right there when you when you talk about it. And you guys saw it firsthand with ASCS with the national tour. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you, you know, my first reaction when I heard about what Brad and Kyle are doing here when this all came about, and I've said this over the last three or four years, dirt racing, sprint car racing has never been better. Am I thinking? Are we trying to fix what's not broken here? I think that's a fair question. I think that's a fair question, Kirk. And obviously, you you have your vibe on it, your opinion on it, and I and I think I tend to, I think I tend to side with you on that. But a lot of smart people, Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson, think no, we can do better. You know, Kendra Jacobs, Mike Hess, Flow Racing, they think we can do better, and and they could very well be right, and they're banking on themselves being right. So, you know, stay tuned and see. It's it is good. There's no denying that it's not good, but. Who knows? We might be sitting here a year from now thinking, my God, those those marquee events when you took the top high limits drivers and the top world of outlaw drivers and you put them at Knoxville or Eldora or Williams Grove, that made it even bigger. And and who knows? We 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 may come out of this thing in better shape. And that's that that's where Brad and Kyle and, and, and Kendra and, and Mike Hess and, and that group and, and JP, that's where that group is, is that no, we we're, sprint car racing is great where it's at. We just want to make it better. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the biggest concern I have, and I know that you touched on it just a, a moment ago, but my concern is, is how many high limit races are they going to take away from the world of outlaws and how many racetracks they're going to take those events away from? That, that, that's my biggest concern right now, yeah, I, because I I, I, cause yeah. I've heard already that Lakeside Speedway is going to be hosting a high limit race. And we're hearing that I-70 Speedway is going to have a high-limit race. And, and I'm just a little concerned about taking away some of the World of Outlaw events from the World of Outlaws. Did the Outlaws run I-70 this year or not? No. No, they didn't. Okay. Just so you know. Would be one, Lakeside would be one, and I know that they've talked about doing it on a cup weekend. So, right. but but would there be the fall lakeside weekend that traditionally has been the world of outlaws? It, 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 there's some places that it's, that it's not an either or, you know. Port right. Royal, Port Royal, the Tuscarora 50 and the Wykert Memorial will be high limits races, and the Nittany Showdown will be a world of outlaw race. So there's some tracks that are going to host both series, including Eldora Speedway, including Eldora Speedway yeah. as well. Right. Uh, just so you know. A couple years ago, when the World of Outlaws went to uh, I seventy Speedway, they had a little falling out back yeah. over there. Yeah, was well, over not not as big a falling out as Aaron Reitzel and Wayne Johnson had, but that was another story. Right? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Hey, I uh, gotta ask you, NASCAR. We're a week removed from Ryan Blaney crowned the NASCAR Cup Series champion. What are your thoughts? A week out of the final mm. weekend in Phoenix and uh, the twenty twenty three NASCAR season. 
Well, the 2023 NASCAR season was fun. I've been this that wrapped up my 21st year of around the horn with MRN, and I've never had more fun covering the sport than I did this year. It was just, and I don't, I don't necessarily know why, other than it was just enjoyable. The the racing was good across the board. Yeah, we had a stinker or two. You always going to have a stinker or two. Right. Racing was good. The storylines were good. Um, you know, lots of lots of new fresh faces and some old faces up there winning races. And and then when it came down to it, I think you had such a great young dynamic uh, quartet running for the championship. You know, with with William Byron and Ryan Blaney and you know Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell. I mean, first and foremost, guys, two of those two of those guys you know, are our dirt track sprint car guys with Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson. One of them is sprint car royalty with Ryan Blaney. Right. And I don't know if you've been to an asphalt track over the course of the last couple of years, but if you've been there, you've probably seen William Byron there. This to me was, was young and, and short track, uh, uh, short track, uh, you know, based race car drivers running for the championship and then Ryan Blaney to get the championship I just think is awesome. I think the I think the Blaney family I think when we think of great racing families in America, I think the Blaney family is maybe the most underrated family or maybe they were up until a week ago. You know, the Blaney family three members of the Blaney family in the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame, three members in the All-Star, Ohio, Pennsylvania, whatever Hall of Fame you got, three members in the Hall of Fame. And they actually, uh, the, the, you know, is um, Lou Blaney actually drove for, for his father, who was a team owner. So it's four generations, three generations of drivers. But for Ryan to win this championship, and to carry that Blaney name to where it is, we, there is there was an interview an hour ago today with Dave Blaney that'll air tonight or tomorrow night on NASCAR Live. The idea that the Blaney family is getting a little love, I think, is good in itself. And Ryan Blaney is going to be an exceptional champion representing this sport. He has been one of the foremost guys representing the sport. I'll give you a little behind the scenes baseball on Ryan Blaney. And I've talked to a lot of people in, in, in the NASCAR circles and the hallways of NASCAR. You know, we got a dog and pony show here. We got something to do here. We got something to do over there. Let's get a driver to go. Well, that driver won't go. Well, that driver never returns our call. That driver, let's call Blaney. He'll do everything. Ryan Blaney does everything behind the scenes to help grow this sport. And I can't imagine with the platform of being the champion what he will do as the champion continuing to grow this sport. He is a great champion. Yeah, he's been good to us. There's no doubt about it. Popular champion. Steve, we've got Jade Avedesian is going to be on the show with us here in just a moment. So we we hate to let you go, but, man, we always – God, you're trading up, guys. You are really (laughs) trading up now. Right, no doubt about it. So (laughs) we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show. We hope to talk to you down the road a little bit. And yeah. uh, hope hope to have you back on here before too yeah. long. Dial me up. All right. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's bring on our next guest. Jade Avedesian joins us on the show. Jade, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? We're doing fine. Not not near as well as you. You you you've got a lot of racing coming up here pretty quick, don't you? Yeah, I'm excited, and it's nice when I'm, you know, I'm back home from, or from Mooresville. I moved to Mooresville February 1st, so I, 
I get to come back home and race on the West Coast. So um, I'm super excited, and we actually start tomorrow night in Bakersfield. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, congratulations on your extreme championship. That was awesome. Four wins this year. Just kind of talk about the season you had this year with Keith Coons Motorsports. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, it's been really cool. Um, definitely a year that I will never forget. Um, I feel like, you know, when we found out I was going to switch to Keith, uh, me, and, me and Jared sat down and uh, we circled the championship on the schedule and we were like, this is one thing, you know, we want to we want to try and do. So uh, to accomplish it, it just means the world to me and I know it means a lot to the team as well. But uh, just breaking down the season, I feel like the first weekend out, we we started off really strong and I feel like we kind of got our hopes up for um, having really good weekends or having good nights every weekend. Um, and then we had a few months of, you know, mistakes on my part and uh, just getting, you know, comfortable with the team and stuff. And it took us about two or three months. And um, like I said, just mistakes on my part that kind of cost us a lot of wins. But um, I feel like the or by the time June, July came around, a light switch hit us. And um, since then, you know, we've been really consistent and we got – and we picked up a lot of wins. So, uh, so far, so good. And I'm excited to, you know, like I was saying earlier, do the six races. I feel like we have good shots out here. Yeah, you picked up back-to-back wins at Southern Illinois Speedway and at Atomic Speedway. And then you also won at Peevely. Um, th- those were pretty big races for you, weren't they? Yeah, so the Atomic one was was pretty crazy, to say the least. Uh, we got it at the checkered flag, so I uh, had no clue. Well, I got the lead like five laps before, um, and then I, I messed up, and Whitney, Whitney got back around me. Um, and then, like I said, I got him coming to the checkers, so that one was pretty crazy. And then uh, SIR was also really cool. I ran there a few times in the micro and uh, never did good at all. So I was excited to, you know, win there in a midget, and uh, that place is a lot of fun. And then uh, same with Heavely. Uh That place, I've always struggled there. I think I've raced there three or four times, and, uh, never been in the top 10. So to go into that weekend knowing that and then to go 7-3 to third the first night and then 6-1 to one the second night was, uh, I was pretty happy. I feel like that, that weekend really stood out to me the, out of, you know, all the weekends we raced just because I know how bad I was going into that weekend and then to walk out with uh, really good finishes just also meant a lot to me as well. What's the biggest thing you learned about yourself having to fight through adversity? Because uh, you did you have a great night one night, and then maybe the next night didn't go so well. Just uh, how difficult was that to be able to learn how to fight through adversity and per- persevere on the other side? Yeah, uh, I feel like I I feel like I have no quit, and I feel like the team is the same way. No matter what happens, uh, they're. They're never going to get a, or give up, and they're always going to have, let's just say, a backup car down or, or whatever the team needs or whatever I need. Uh, they never give up. So um, it honestly comes down to having a great team behind me to push us through. And, like, for example, we went to the Paragon one night, and I messed up in qualifying and uh, flipped uh, in qualifying, so they had a backup car, and then the next night we won. So, um, like I said, it's just uh, never giving up. Um, to have Jared and Caleb and Tanner and everyone else at Keith Coons, um, you know, they want to win just as bad as I do, and I feel like that really helps. Hey, I want to ask you about the four crown nationals at Eldora Speedway. You were not afraid to put that car right up on the fence one night. Oh, man. But then the next night, you took a pretty wild ride. What are your thoughts after the four crown, uh, where you did run the high side about as well as anybody we've ever seen in a midget car, but no then doubt. the next night, you found yourself upside down? Yeah, um, 
it was it was good and bad. Like you said, you know, we were we had a really good night the first night, and then I slipped the second night. But uh, going in the door, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew it was going to be around the fence, and I knew um, I was just going to have to basically hold it wide open and just drive it as straight as I possibly could. So uh, the first night I went out for hot laps, and I was like, dang, this is, this is really cool. So uh, and then, like you said, we had a good first night, and then the second night I just made a mistake um, going into one, and then obviously I ended up upside down. Yeah, no doubt. And so you're you're going to Bakersfield, and then you got three nights at Placerville, two nights at Merced, and then you got Turkey Night at Ventura. Uh, that's a lot of racing going on right there, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm super excited, and I'd also be home and race in front of a lot of friends and family that's coming out. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun two weeks, and uh, I'm kind of sad, you know. In two weeks, it's gonna be already over, though. Yep, no you got to feel real confident about your chances at these racetracks, do you not, after everything that's occurred this year? Uh, why not you winning a lot of these races? No doubt. I hope so. Um, I know I'm going to give it the best shot I can give. Um, I feel like it came a long way this season. Um, I feel like this, out of all the years I've been racing, this is the season I've learned uh, the most. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it and uh, just kind of, Gonna have to take, you know, what I learned um, all season and put a whole night together. Um, I know I had a shot earlier in this year to win a USAC race, and then I put myself in a bad position and uh, didn't capitalize it so, or capitalize on it. So um, I know, like I said, I'm, I know I'm gonna have to use everything I learned all season and uh, just try to execute as best I possibly can each and every single night. Yeah, let me ask you a question, I, and this is a, a a question that a lot of people are asking. Are you getting any calls from down in the, the truck series, the Xfinity series? Uh, I, I know that you've, you've got to work your way up to cup, but are those people starting to call? Because to be honest with you, Kirk and I, the racing boys, we're big fans of yours. And we always say to everybody that's out there that you are the best female racer out there right now in, in, in racing. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I, I know what I need to do at uh, the end of the season, and I know, you know, what my goals are next season. Right now I'm just going to take it season by season, and whatever opportunities I get, I'm going to take and uh, try, just try to do the best I can. I know I have a really big announcement coming in the next few weeks, so I'm excited to share it with, all, with everyone. And um, I, know, I know all the people at Toyota Racing are going to uh, put me in the right spot to hopefully succeed. But um, at the end of the day, it's just about – um, how ex- or how good I can race um, every single weekend. Wow, we're looking forward to that announcement. Yeah, that no is, doubt. Uh, that's pretty juicy stuff right there. Hey, uh, one place we're really looking forward to seeing you race is the Chili Bowl. Last year, uh, you uh, you got qualified for the A main right. and almost got uh, automatically in the show there on that preliminary night. Just tell us about your thoughts of going back to the Chili Bowl this year. Yeah, I love that week. Um, that was last year was my first time ever racing Chili Bowl, and uh, I feel like we had a really good, you know, really good week to, you know, lock it in the or to get in the feature on Saturday, my first year. I feel like that was the goal, and uh, we were able to we were able to do that. So I'm super excited to get back to it um, at Chili Bowl again this year. And uh, like I said, it's a week I always look forward to, and I'm I think I'm going to figure out my prelim night tomorrow. So it's definitely on our minds already. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Jade, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the show. 
And we're looking forward to seeing you down at the Chili Bowl. As you know, Kirk and I, we did that broadcast for 16 years. I, I don't know if you know yeah. that, but the Racing Boys did that broadcast for a long time. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me on, and um, I appreciate it. So I'll see you guys soon. First right. things first, good luck tomorrow night. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Jade. Yes, no problem. Uh, bye. Uh, bye. There you have it, Jade Avedesian joining us here on the show. She is a racer. She is, yeah, the best female racer in the business. Right you know, now. and there's uh, uh, Taylor Reimer and uh, Taylor Reimer's pretty good too. Kaylee Bryson, yeah. Uh, you know, those girls they they get after it, no doubt about it. But uh, Jade is really. Uh, She's a cut above uh, everybody else. She's stepping it up, no doubt. No doubt about it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Trenton Berry is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about USMTS racing right here on Mostly Motorsports. We'll, We'll be back with more right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other ad specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com.
Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. Joining us now on the phone is from racingdirt.com, Trenton Barry. Trenton, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. Sorry I uh, hung you guys out to dry last week, but uh, I'm I'm back like a bad dream this time around. Oh, that's all right. Uh, so, what what did you feel about your Chiefs beating the Miami Dolphins? Oh my gosh. Great first question, by the way. Um, what a game! I uh, I, I love the uh, the environment there in Germany. I thought it played out really, really well on TV last year uh, when they were in, in Munich. So I was excited to see uh, this being a different stadium, uh, how it transferred this year uh, to Frankfurt, and uh, and it was quite the deal. Chiefs had a great first half; they didn't look so great in the second half. But uh, all in all, they did enough to get it done, and uh, that's all that all that matters so they can move on. The, hey, hey, really you, one of the, you know what I liked about more about it than anything is the amount of yards that Tyreek Hill had. Yeah, the 62, I think, wasn't it, I believe? Uh, I think it was like 60. Yeah. He, yeah, and, yeah. And, and he was running his mouth the whole time with those guys. He's, <laughs> he, he acted yeah. like he was just going to burn them all day and he was going to put up 250 yards on them, right? Yeah, well, yeah. And the Bengals and the Ravens, and there was one other team lost yesterday. We had a really good week for a bye week anyway that got us in sole possession of a uh, first place. So, San Diego. Uh, I thoroughly. Uh, uh, the the, the uh, Lions beat more, the Chargers, the, right? The Chargers lost yesterday yeah. as well. Yeah, the Chargers yeah. lost. And the, and the Texans beat the Bengals. How about that one? Yeah, Bengals. the Bengals lost and the Ravens. 
and gosh dang, there was one more that was kind of in the Chiefs' wheelhouse. But anyway, whatever. We we had a great bye week as well. So uh, onward and upward. One thing I'm I think is going to be so crazy, and I didn't realize this when the schedule came out, but the Chiefs and the Eagles, as if as if this game wasn't going to be high level enough, but you're going to get both teams on a bye week. They're going to get a bye week plus an extra day with that game being on Monday night. This, I think this game Monday night is going to be at such a high level uh, for a regular season game. I, I, I just I say no, I think this will be the best regular season game of the year in the entire NFL. I mean, the way the NFL structured the schedule and how, how these teams are right now and they're going to be this fresh, uh, look out come Monday night. I think it's going to be a barn burner. And I'm, I am not confident that we can win this game, but I think it'll be a great game. Is that is that in Philadelphia? I didn't look. No, or is that that's here in Kansas City? City. Arrowhead. How about yeah. that? Yep. Hey, I, I'm I'm very confident that we'll be able to beat them. To be honest I with you, I hope so. Yeah, Man, I hope so. I, I think they're great. I, I think I think the Eagles and the 49ers are the two best teams in the NFC, and uh, I think the I think the Chiefs are going to figure out a way to get past the the Ravens if they want to go to the go to the Super Bowl on, on our side. So, and Mama Kelsey uh, will be right up there watching it all, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. She'll, she should be there. So, and, and, uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be exciting. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what's been going on in my world. I've had a, and I've had like a million phone calls for things going on. We're, we're like full speed ahead planning and scheming and figuring out things for next year, and I'm just on the cusp of being able to tell you a thing or two, and I just, I just can't as of right now. But, uh, uh, it's it's coming pretty close, but I haven't haven't went to the racetrack in a couple of weeks. But man, we've we've been been working on. It. I've been burning my phone up for sure. H- have you heard that John Bowler left US thirty six Raceway? Have yeah. you heard that? Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard that he had a, had a good long run there. So seven, seven years. years. Um, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I did did hear that. So I uh, wish them all the best and whatever they're doing, and wish the Franks family the best there at. Uh, us 36 is what what they're gonna have going on so right well yeah, interesting time of the year for sure really. yeah i think john bowler would be a good candidate for the general manager job at lakeside speedway what do you think oh that's kind of spicy i hadn't thought of that yeah yeah so i don't i don't really know why not you know yeah um, i don't know if they've got they don't have a general manager right now. They, like, they, right? They, don't. they don't even have one out there. They got the owner, Don Mars. That's right. Yeah. That's so. kind of interesting right there. I hadn't hadn't even really considered that, but I, but I kind of like it. Right. Boy, uh, yeah. can, can you give us a little hint of what big things you got going on there at Race and Dirt, um, or we just have yeah, to wait? Mod, mod, mod racing. Mod racing stuff. Okay. Yeah, but I just I can't really – I just, I don't know. I don't have everything all put together just quite we yet. We get it. But, hey, you, uh, you, you shouldn't mod, have... Mod racing, mod racing of the USRA variety. How's that sound for you? There's stuff stuff that's in our wheelhouse and stuff we've done for, for years. So uh, just maybe taking a maybe taking a couple new cracks on some things. So um, anyway, not, not anything earth-shattering. Right. So... Um, so what's what's going on over... What are you going to do this weekend, Trenton? What am I gonna do this weekend? I am gonna go to a, uh, I'm gonna go to a a charity gala with a live auction for a group that my wife serves on the board for this weekend. That's what I'm gonna go to. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be the. Uh, I'm gonna go be the PA uh, tech 
and I'm going to figure out how to, uh, how to how to make sure the sound goes out wherever it needs to go for this event this weekend is what I'm going to go to. Right. That's it. That is in your so, wheelhouse. You get that figured oh, out. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, a piece of cake. I, I figure I might as well. Uh, you know, I have such a limited skill set in life for things that I'm good at, and this happens to be one of them. So if, if she needs a little help this time of year, I better – I better darn well figure out how to make myself available to go do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, Tammy, so. Tam, Tammy just said, ha ha, Scott, I'm, I'm not confident. Go birds. She's talking. Oh my. Oh, she, she's there an, she's an Eagles Absolutely. fan. Absolutely. We got Eagles fans hey. tuned in. Look out. Hey, we got our, we got our PRI credentials the other day. I haven't been since 2019. Are you guys going? Have you been? What's the. Um, the the last time I went to the PRI show, I never made it. I broke my arm. I haven't been back since. Oh boy, Scott's been there a few times. I think, so. I, I, think no, I, I remember. I think I remember that story. I, I'm I'm going to go for sure this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you have you been the last few years? I haven't been. I've been down there for the last how many years, Kirk? Have I been going? You've been going every year for I don't know how long. Yeah. For, for they didn't have it during the pandemic, have, though, did they? Right. No, they didn't. A couple of years have, right in there. They hustled me out of 40 bucks so I could go this time, so I had to go get my money's worth out of this trip. You used to not have to pay to get into that, did you? Yeah, no, didn't you used to have? So you always had to pay, Scott? I've never paid. You know. You never? Changed. I've never paid wow. to get in. And, uh, how, do you, how do you, who do you know to make that happen? I don't, yeah. I don't know anybody. You got All, your credentials already? No, I haven't got them yet. I think you might be. I think you might be surprised. You might be surprised. They're going to charge you this time. <laughs> you can you imagine if they charge everybody forty dollars to get into that show? How many? Somebody how much? Be making a lot of money. They're going to make Scott, a lot of money. Scott, yeah. Scott, there's a lot of money to be made, bud. I'm just telling you. No the doubt. The game has changed. I, I I'm telling you. Go go get your credential and get your forty dollars ready to go on your credit card because it's happening. Uh, I, 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 I'll see if that happens. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, please let me know. Here, I got a question for you, Trenton. What did <clears throat> yeah, you fine. think of Lainey Wilson cleaning up the CMA Awards the other night? She won every award there was to win, I think. Entertainer yeah, of the on, year, you're on, too, right? You're, you're on one of my one of my favorite topics is dissecting country music. So I will I will tell you this. I think, I think Lainey Wilson is an incredible artist. Uh, she's going to be playing here in Springfield in a couple of weeks um, at the, at the arena where Missouri state plays their basketball. Wow. Uh, and she, she's not even the headliner. So that's, that's, what's crazy. This thing got booked out a while, but she's, she's direct support for Hardy. Uh, who's, who's the headliner for the night. Um, I think she is, is fantastic. Um, I think that, uh, there were 6,200 people in the CMAs that voted by secret ballot, so obviously they know something that I don't. When I'm telling you on the eye test, I think she has the chops to be the entertainer of the year. I think it was probably a year or two early um, for her. Now, I tell you that, I, I went and watched her play a concert um, over the uh, 4th of July weekend. Uh, a huge Laney Wilson fan. Um, there is no way that you will ever convince me that she was entertainer of the year over Luke Combs or Morgan Wallen this year. It just, just, just not happening. So no, no I agree um, with you. I was shocked when they made that announcement. Morgan, Morgan Wallen had the best year of anybody in the entire genre. Um, and Luke Combs was probably second. 
Lainey Wilson spent a majority of the, her year this year opening for Luke Combs. And, and then all of a sudden you're going to tell me that she's entertaining. I, I think she's an incredible talent. I'm a huge fan. I just think it was probably a year or two early. Um, I, do you think so, Chris Stapleton should have been the uh, entertainer of the year? Uh, probably not entertainer of the year, but he got that male vocalist of the year, which was, was fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how are you going to argue if he wins that thing every year, you know? <laughs> right. He's uh he he was he was great. Um, just really surprised that it wasn't Combs or Wallen for that Entertainer of the Year this year. I love the award show. I'll tell you this, Kirk. I about the time Taylor Swift put up uh, teardrops on my guitar, I've come to realize since her budding relationship with Kelsey and her timeline of things was about the time I did about a ten year hiatus from um, from current contemporary country music because yeah. it was just atrocious for a long time. Yeah. Um, short of one or two artists. But I'm telling you, in my opinion, in the last five, six, seven years here, at least, least the last five years, uh, we'll say, uh, country music has done uh, has done a tremendous uh, evolution, shift, change. I don't know what necessarily the right word is. but uh, And maybe it's just music for, for me where I'm at in my life more now than it was before. Um, but I, I feel like for my listening preference, uh, uh, current country music is really good and really strong right now, and I think for a period of time there it kind of wasn't. You think there's an internal bias against Morgan Wallen because some of the things that oh, he's been involved in know. there? Politics probably didn't play know. well in his part. I don't want to say. it's You know, the, the CMA has a voting panel, and there's 6,200 members that, that vote on it. So obviously the, the will of the people was done there, and if it's, if that's a, there's an accounting firm uh, that certifies the results, and it just is what it is. But uh, I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing. I'm not going to tell you that's probably not the way that the votes were tabulated and counted. But I just I have a hard time seeing that that was so. In my, in my opinion, what do you think of Cody Johnson? I think he's underrated. Yeah, love him, love him, tremendous. So. Uh, he he came and played in Springfield the night that uh, the night that Patrick Mahomes won his first Chiefs uh, playoff game when they beat the Colts in the snow at Arrowhead, and uh, and I wore my I wore my Mahomes jersey to the concert that night, and uh, I high fived about five thousand people on my way trying to get to my seats that night because the show started. That was kind of a mid afternoon game, and uh, a huge Cody Johnson fan. That was right when he was first just kind of getting started, and uh, boy he's. He's quite a uh, quite a tremendous vocalist. So, uh, and hey, while we're while we're on the topic of country music here, my uh, my boy Dylan Scott's got the number three song on country radio this week, and uh, he's he's headed to the top of the charts with that one here, and probably in Kirk. Two to he's three a big race from, fan too, is he not? Hey, Kirk, yeah, who was who was the country singer that we we had out there at uh, Kansas Speedway? Uh, Cole It'll Swindell done, came on our uh, when we were out of Kansas Speedway. Cole Swindell was uh, good enough to sit down with us at, at the table yeah. out of Kansas Speedway. How about that? Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, and and uh, that's awesome. Awesome. He you're able to talk to him. And Dylan Steele's going to be his third number one in a row. So I'm getting ready to happen for him. So um, pretty pretty pumped for that to see the success. Has hasn't he been to Lucas Oil sure Speedway? Uh, not been to Lucas. He's he's uh, seen a lot of the pictures from it. Now he's been to a lot of racetracks. He's going to be at the dome here coming up in a, in a few weeks. Um, and he, he gets two or three races a year when, when his schedule allows him to, uh, he was out of Lakeside two years ago 
uh, he was out there and sang the uh, the national anthem for the last Grant Younghands race that we had out there. Oh, I remember that now. Yeah. yeah he was out there in, in August. He, he came out. He had an off day uh, in between shows. He was going between uh, Wichita and Lincoln, and uh, I, I just I talked to him, and I said, hey, we got this thing going on if you're interested. And he said, man, we got an off day. <laughs> he goes, of course I'm interested. He said, he said, I got 11 people. I said, no problem. I'll call Todd. Todd Todd's a huge fan as well, and and he was putting the race on. And I said, I said, Todd, I I got a situation happening. He goes, perfect. He goes, tell him, tell him I'm going to be calling him here in just a minute. And he said, we'd love to have him. So uh, that that was sure sure pretty cool. He came out there that night. Awesome. Yeah, he's uh, he's a hot star right now. No doubt about it. Yeah, and I'm telling yeah. you, his his next single that's going to be out on radio is called "This Town's Been Too Good to Us." Kirk, if you haven't listened to it yet, I, I in my opinion, I think it's probably the best song he's recorded uh, to this point in his career. That's going to be his next one. So uh, we're not we're not near done listening to uh, listen to what he's got offered. I, I I'm kind of a blues guy. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I love going to Knuckleheads and going down there for, I we, Todd and I took Kirk Elliott down there and Kirk, you you said that that's one of the most underrated it places. Is. That is a great place. It is a great place. So are it. you, are you? If you go to Knuckleheads, does that in turn make you a knucklehead or? <laughs> no, it, it could. It could make me a knucklehead. <laughs> I was down there in June. Uh, Trenton, uh, uh, Pam Tillis showed up at the oh. uh, Knuckleheads, and I went down there to see her one night. How and was she? She was great. Uh, it was an acoustic set. She didn't bring the oh, full band. Awesome. She had another uh, guitar player and herself, and that was it. And the train was coming and, by, and, and it was cool. And you went to and you went down with Todd and I to Richie Cotson. What'd you think of him? Well, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. He's hey, Kirk, I got a, I got a question for you. Me and you've been to some shows together, and I know you've been to a, been to a ton of them throughout your life. Isn't there something just awesome about a country show that's with an artist and their guitar, or with an artist and maybe one or two guitar players right beside them that doesn't have the full? I love. I, I like love that. The, I I I am into country music because of the the vocalist, and yeah, man, it just seems like sometimes the drums and the subwoofer and the the hubbub and, and everything of these live shows, if you're not in the right spot, sometimes it, 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 it can get a little misconstrued. It's so, it's so raw and pure. These acoustic shows. I got to listen to Justin Moore a few years ago, played an acoustic show. He had yep. a guitarist on each side of him. And I'm telling you, he sat on a stool and he picked his guitar and told stories and sang for two and a half hours. Kirk, I swear it was an experience. Uh, I got, it's something I'll, I'll never be able to forget. And I've seen two or three over the years, but man, I love I love acoustic uh, country performances. I got to give Kelsey Ballerini a lot of credit the other night. What she did on that show the other night was maybe the highlight of the whole show. Yeah, yeah, she's good. She she had a had a had a heck of a performance. Yeah, for sure. I like you know we they switched those ACMs over and the, it's kind of went through its own share of uh, media distribution changes over the years and it's cool though that the cmas are still on you know over the air television on one of the major networks one night a week and i really i I enjoy being able to watch that i know some people feel like the award show you know scheme is kind of played out or whatever on traditional tv but 
I really enjoyed watching. I was glued to the TV the whole night. So Peyton Manning, not a bad MC. He did a pretty good job. Oh, he's great. Peyton's great. He's so funny. Um, I, I think he's fantastic, and his his love of country music is is genuine. You know, that's not just a that's not just hey, we got you on an ABC contract for your Manning cast on Monday. We're going to slide you over here this week. And, and, and you won't you won't hold it. He wore a Broncos real. uniform. You won't hold it against him. He wore a Broncos uniform for a while. Hey, listen, we're we're all on the earth as as, uh, as uh, unperfect creatures, so Peyton's, Peyton's not excluded from that category. He, he made a lot of money playing for the Broncos. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. Oh, and I, was, I so here's what's really hard, Kirk. If you're gonna, you want to talk that up, I was uh, I was always kind of a Peyton Manning fan, sort of. You know, I really I, I like I watched him at Tennessee. Um, interested the year he got drafted you know followed a lot with the colts he was so good with the colts for all those years and uh ripped the chiefs heart out time and time again and uh i i just i always always kind of enjoyed Peyton up but he you know he he could win all the press conferences all the time and he's he really has a great personality and he's excellent on tv and i, I love i don't know if you guys ever watched that manning cast on monday night but what he does with his brother eli sometimes if if the game's kind of turned trash, which seems like Monday Night Football's not been real good this year, yeah. uh, sometimes I'll, I'll flip over and watch that Manning cast just to get get a little different perspective, you know, for, uh, for what's is, going on. Yeah, I'd suggest tuning in to cool. Manning cast right at halftime and then into the second yep. half. It's 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 pretty good TV, especially if it's not one of our own teams playing. You know, when it's yes, it they do what they do on that broadcast. I don't know if you've seen it or not, Scott. They, they have Peyton Manning at his house, and, and Eli will be at his house. At his house. house, right. And they sit there, and they watch that thing, and they'll have guests on and stuff. But it's it's entertaining, especially when the game gets out of hand. It's yeah. a really good right. It's a really good alternative just to watch. Hey, hey Trenton, did you yeah. feel like when we watched the Miami game that the, the, the announcers were in favor of the Miami Dolphins beating the Chiefs? Did you feel that? Oh, I don't. I don't know necessarily. So that was a that was kind of an impromptu booth right there. The, uh, Jason McCourty and Orlovsky. Orlovsky works at ESPN, and you know Rich Eisen's a he's a quasi play by play guy, yeah. but that's you know his strong suit's really in the studio uh, where he's you know operates at an, an elite level. So um, it, it's kind of whatever. I don't those NFL Network broadcasts where they they supply the town have been a mixed bag over the years they've had they've had all players they've had four or five people in the booth they've had their pregame show do the games they've ne- they've never really settled on what what it should be um and it's never i don't feel like it's ever a super tight broadcast but right. i just kind of know that going into it so i don't know if they were necessarily i felt like they were necessarily in favor of it it's just kind of uh it's just kind of whatever. I don't. Yeah. I don't have a real strong opinion on it. I don't. I'll tell you this: uh, the NFL Network has never set a booth up that's, that's going to go put on a performance that's going to win an Emmy by, by any stretch of the imagination. So the red um, zone is really good, though. Watching it on Sunday, that is awesome. Yeah, it, yeah red zone's good. Red zone's really, really. So good. you're you're going to be really back good. at the dome this year, right? Yeah. Well, so I, I am, and I'm going to go to Votto again too. So oh, cool! I'm looking forward to that for the Wild West shootout. Really, yep, I'm, I'm super appreciative. You know, I wasn't able to go to that last year because I was, I was so sick. I had I had influenza. I remember, and it was just miserable. Just, just 
We missed you, Trenton. We missed you watching that. Man, it's one of the worst things I've ever dealt with. So anyway, um, I, I wasn't able to go, so I was especially appreciative for the opportunity when they asked me, hey, you interested in coming back to this? We'd love to have you. So you never know. Like You, you, you break a streak and you miss an event and you know things happen. And You guys know how this industry works. It's easy to go get replaced. And I'm, I'm super appreciative and thankful that, uh, that the folks making those decisions wanted to have me back. And I'm grateful for the opportunity again. And uh, I, I can't wait to go to go get after it and uh, give that broadcast everything I have and um, put put all the work into it that uh, that a that a show like that deserves. I'll try to make it down there this year. Yeah, man, it's it's quite the deal. They've they've uh, they've rolled out the the prelim qualifying night. They just put the late models out here this last week, and um, that late model car count just seems to get bigger and bigger every single year. Um, the the mod field's pretty strong. Looks looks to me as well. Um, they got got some got some new guys in that uh, that haven't been there before, so I I think both divisions are probably probably going to be a great show. Yeah, no doubt. Trenton can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here on the show, man. We, we talked a little a little bit about everything today. Not yeah. not oh, so yeah. not so much racing, but man, that's always good though. That's why we call can, it mostly uh, motorsports. I can I can rap with you guys about anything, so it's it's all good. I'm uh, I'm going to my first basketball game of the year. This is kind of my, my I get into my winter season here. I go to a bunch of basketball games in the winter, and I'm I'm taking my boy for the first time. He told me he wanted to go to the Missouri State basketball game tonight. Their home opener tonight. They're playing they're playing Oral Roberts University out of Tulsa, which is somebody they play every year. So, uh, hope hoping for a Bears win this evening. Yeah, that or you, they're a pretty good team. weren't they good last year? Yes, they were good. And a couple of years ago, they had a they had a super high scoring guard last year. Gosh, he he averaged close to thirty points a game. They went to the tournament, so yeah, they were uh, they were loaded for sure. So I'm not sure exactly what we're going to get to see tonight. I haven't looked too deep into the uh, into the, the roster that's coming back. But you know, there's so many changes these days in college sports that uh, I'll I'll look into it once I get a little bit closer here to the yep. uh, to the game. So. All right, Trenton, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on Mostly Motorsports. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. Yep, see you guys. All right, take care. All right, there you have it. Kirk, you ready to do that live read for the Hall of Fame? Yes, sir. We've got uh, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, Two big uh, fundraisers that are going on right now. We talk about this all the time, the Corvette drawing will be next August. They've got a torch red Z06 Corvette Convertible with the Z07 Performance Package for 2024. And the winner will get that and $25,000 grand prize, the cash money to help pay the taxes on it. Uh, The drawing will be a week after the Knoxville Nationals next year. Go to winaz06corvette.com to get signed up for that and the Sprint Car Giveaway will be a year from this December, December 2024. It's a new XXX chassis with an Al Parker 410 racing engine under the hood, all the bells and whistles, full-fledged sprint car, and get signed up for that. All the proceeds go toward the uh, National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, which Bob Baker and his whole crew do such a great job keeping things up to date up there. Love Bill Wright and all the crew. 
uh, up there at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. David as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, great people up there. And uh, be anxious to see what the uh, track they'll salute in 2024. This past year, it was Williams Grove Speedway. The year before that, Ascot Park. So they keep making changes in the museum. So you need to keep going back every year uh, to the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame Museum. And it's not just open on the race weekends. It's open the year round, with the exception of a few holidays throughout the year. Uh, But for that sprint car, Sweepstakes, go to winasprintcar.com to get signed up for that. And again, the drawing is December of 2024. And uh, com for the gift shop, all the items in the gift shop, you can take a look at there. And uh, not too early to get your Christmas shopping done. And you can do it with all the uh, items that they've got in there. Hey, Kirk, uh, Marie just said on here, did you hear anything about Petaluma closing? I have not. I haven't either. You've been to Petaluma Speedway. I've been there. Yeah. Is that the track where you had to go to the hospital and then come back, or was that another? That was the hospital. That was the That track. was the hospital. You got released from the hospital, and you went straight to the racetrack. And it was three days before they locked down the country. Right before the pandemic. Right before COVID, right? Remember that? Yeah, I remember you saying, boy, I'm in the hospital and this COVID is about ready to break. And the one thing they told me is is that that place didn't have COVID, not one COVID case in it when I went to the hospital. But it was a week later the world shut down. The week later. You'd already made it back to Kansas City. And and I came back, and we had my 60th birthday. Remember that? You just got back into town, had your birthday, and then the world shut down. Yep, no doubt about it. And Todd and I were out there at the Carb Hall of Fame banquet. That, That was the last big event that was held before the world shut down. Right, Todd? Yeah, Absolutely. There we go. Todd, check, check, check. Todd, you were here, weren't you? Yep. For yeah. my birthday party. For the party. birthday, and then me and Kirk ran out and did. That was, was that our last? Let's not go through that again. Yeah, no, we're done with that. So. Right. Good show today, guys. All right, no doubt about it. We want to thank everybody for uh, all of our guests, Brian Carter, Jade Avedesian, Steve Post, and Trenton Berry as well. And uh, can't thank Todd Surprise for doing such a good job each and every week for us right here on RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. For my partner, Kirk Elliott, I'm Scott Trailer saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on Mostly Motorsports. We hope that you'll tune in. See you then. stronger with rod and supply whether you are running industrial farming equipment or race car rod and supply has the assortment of rod ends radius rods and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better giving you the edge on the track and saving you money 
Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years.